Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is part two of a very special edition of the Pro Wrestling Index, recapping our thoughts of WrestleMania 32 from AT&T Stadium in Dallas. In addition to that, we take your questions and a lively debate regarding the true attendance numbers of WrestleMania. Part two of this special podcast starts right now. Now, we're going to move on very briefly and just talk about the Raw the Monday night after. Monday Night Raw every single week after WrestleMania, every single year, excuse me, after WrestleMania is arguably the best show of the year for free on the USA Network. That being said, were you gentlemen underwhelmed? Did it live up to expectations? Were you, uh, did it exceed your expectations? And then we'll talk about the main event on the show. Uh, I thought it was a great Raw. Uh, I mean, two thumbs up for it. Uh, there were a lot of cool moments. I love the Shane Vince interaction at the top of the show. I like seeing Apollo Crews and uh, and uh, Baron Corbin getting announced where we're going to see the vaude villains on SmackDown. I love that uh, 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 there was a big emphasis on the women. Enzo and Kaz debuted. Um, and then there was uh, the Roman Reigns segment, which I thought was really interesting. And I know a lot of people aren't going to like this, but I thought Roman Reigns in that segment looked like a massive star. That guy looked like a star. Uh, just just the presence of him around those other guys. And um, I think they are setting up some kind of heelishness for him. And then I thought the main event was incredible. Mo, your thoughts on Raw the night after? I, I wasn't all that impressed, to be honest. Um, I thought that it was a missed opportunity. They really could have made up for their decision to uh, put the older guys over at the expense of the younger guys, which I thought was a the theme of WrestleMania. And I didn't think they really took the opportunity. Sure, um, they had some welcome returns, like so Cesaro and uh, debuts from NXT uh, with Cass and Amore. Um, but um, there was too too much um, very predictable stuff. 
And, you know, we've seen Raw's in the past, the night after WrestleMania, really change the course of the WWE. Uh, really massive angles, massive storyline um, angles that have been run. And we really didn't see any of that on this show. And uh, that, that was quite disappointing. Triple H, for example, and Stephanie McMahon were not even there. And, you know, they, they were uh, supposedly selling the uh, effects of the main event which I can understand Stephanie doing because uh, she got speared um, by by Roman. But um, there was no reason for um, Triple H to be selling any kind of injuries because it's not as if um, he was put through uh, several tables or fought, fell from a great height and uh, he, he should have been there. But um, the, 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 the overall thing for me was that... Um, you know, it just made some of the decisions from the night before seem even more ludicrous that um, AJ Styles in particular um, was crowned the number one contender after winning the main event of Raw, whereas 24 hours earlier, it seemed like he was another one who was being uh, consigned to uh, mid-card hell by losing to um, Chris Jericho. So it really didn't make much sense um, in terms of the continuity of the storylines. Um, and it just seemed like uh, a very um, uh, kind of strange approach to booking, which is not um, cohesive in the slightest. Isn't that a great way, though, for Styles to get his win back is in the main event of Monday Night Raw to defeat Chris Jericho, Cesaro and Kevin KO. Owens? I mean, I mean that that to me that that to me, uh, and for the number one contendership, I think ends up being a, a bigger moment for him than Way than, bigger. than defeating Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. Well, as I mentioned before, it's not the Raw and Smackdowns that people really remember in terms of the results. It's uh, your WrestleManias, and you know, several years from now, people will forget the fact that he won that match on Raw the night after uh, losing to Chris Jericho. It's that Jericho result. Uh, with AJ Styles' very first WrestleMania match as the one that will live in the memory and they will remember that he lost it. So that that was certainly not helpful. You know, when it comes to building momentum, wins and losses still matter. And if you're having this parity booking... <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he, he won, but, you know, there's this parity booking where, you know, guys are winning and losing too often. I just don't think that helps. I mean, Goldberg became a huge star... Um, with a very limited skill set back in 1998 because they had him on a win streak. And um, that was very, very simple. And, you know, they don't need to necessarily do a streak for AJ Styles to get over. But, you know, you need to have guys winning matches because wins do matter. And as I've mentioned on this podcast um, just a few weeks ago, um, you know, my youngest son has gone off Dean Ambrose because he said, oh, Dean always loses. He's a loser. So, you know, the WWE's got to uh, think about that in the round that, especially for its younger fans, um, they do take uh, these things a bit more seriously than older fans who perhaps uh, consider these things less in terms of wins and losses. And, um, you know, with, with things like that, especially when you're trying to cater to a, a younger audience, uh, wins and losses should matter. And that's why I was so disappointed that AJ Styles did not win at WrestleMania. Well, but Maurice was looking good. <laughs> she was. She was. She hasn't missed a step. Uh, my final thoughts on, on Raw, I was slightly underwhelmed. I, I was expecting a, a lot more from the, the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. There were a couple of great moments. Enzo Amore, by the way, is absolutely tremendous. Guy, he's so good. I mean, that, that, that to me is one of the best live promos from a young talent I've seen on the show in a long 
time. We see guys come back like The Rock or Stone Cold make an occasional appearance or somebody like that, or even Shane, and have great moments on the stick. But he came out his, of nowhere and was his fantastic. His delivery was incredible. Yeah. I was actually in awe of the delivery. It was so good. Yeah, he, yeah. he, he looked like he had been there for years. I'm going to you know? put your lazy eye back to work, is what he said. <laughs> God, what a great line. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, hey, listen, we have to get to the mailbag. We're, we, we, uh, we've got still so much to cover here, so we're going to try and get through this as quickly as possible because we're running a little over time. Our mailbag is packed this week, so let's get it started. Are, are we not talking attendance? We're going to get to attendance. Okay. I have a format here, and it's part of the mailbag. Okay. 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 I know what okay. I'm doing, sir. Okay. okay. All right. Here we go. Our first question comes from Nathan Stalker at Voice of Nathan on Twitter, and he says, am I the only one excited about a Miz title reign? I think his body of work has been strong, and he says, and Maurice, a emoticon with hearts in the eyes, Brad. Oh, man. Well, Maurice was looking good, as as I said before, and I'm, I'm you're not the only one. Na- is it Nathan? Nathan. You're not the only one, Nathan. I like the Miz. I've, I've been very vocal about the Miz. I know he gets a lot of flack, but he's so, he's such a He's such a sleazeball heel, and you know, and, and you're just like, God, this guy's such a doucher, and and like, and that's why I like him. He's so, he's just so, he's so funny uh, when, when he's cutting promos, and he makes me laugh. And the way he was sitting there on top of the ladder at WrestleMania with this big smirk on the face, like he was about to play a joke on everybody in the yeah. crowd. Like God, I was like, I, I turned to you, I'm like, please make the Miz win. This would be so funny. Yeah. And so no, no, he's not. You're not the only one, Nate. Which another thing which I, I love about his his uh, his Titantron video, by the way, is that it's all <laughs> clips from his films. <laughs> and they all look so awful. Exactly. Oh, uh, God, so good. Uh, Mo, what do you think about this? So Zack Ryder wins the Intercontinental Championship 24 hours later. The Miz has captured the IC title. Are you excited about uh, this renewed vigor in the character of The Miz by WWE officials? I am. It's long overdue. I think Miz is the most underrated talent in the company. He's a fantastic promo, one of the top four or five um, stick guys in the company. And as a worker, um, he's a lot better than people give him credit for. So it's time that he gets a singles title run. I hope they keep it on him for more than a week. And uh, if they do, um, I think he could make um, certainly add some prestige back to that title because it has been lacking it somewhat, even though Owens was um, you know, certainly a fine champion. Um, but, you know, the, the kind of momentum of that title um, has certainly been wavering over the last um, nine months. So it'd be good to see Miz have a solid title run and uh, make it mean something again. Yeah. Uh, Nathan, I have to agree with both Brad and Mo. I love the Miz. I am high on the Miz. I've been saying for a while it's time to get the Miz back in the picture. And here he is. This is his fifth reign as Intercontinental Champion, and that can't be ignored. And by the way, as the Miz has reminded us many times, he also main evented our WrestleMania. (laughs) Our next question comes from, and I apologize if I mispronounce this name, so please correct me, Hara Sethi. And that's at H-A-R-I underscore S-E-T-H-I on Twitter. Whoa. Harry Sethi. Harry. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Thank you, Mo, for the uh, the correction. So Harry says, is the crowd reaction for Reigns on Raw harmful to other talent on the roster? And is Reigns' best chance of getting over to play a Big Daddy Cool type persona or character on the show? Mo, I'll start with you. What do you think? Is it harmful to other talent the way the crowd is reacting to him? And uh, what's his best chance of getting over as a character? I think that's a good point. I think it potentially is harmful in that 
Um, Roman Reigns is being pushed as the babyface, but really he should be um, the heel in the company because the fans really want to boo him, and uh, they do boo him. And uh, I think that the WWE is reluctantly accepted that, and that's why I think we saw that slightly um, edgier side to Roman Reigns where he was giving... Um, uh, disregard to his opponents, uh, whoever it was going to be, he was going to become the number one contender. And I think we'll see a continuation of that um, over the coming weeks, and it could turn into a fully blown heel turn. Um, so it, it was good to see um, that that's the kind of direction that they seem to now be going in. And I think that if and when he does turn heel, um, that will be for the best because that will be around the time when a certain Seth Rollins will be ready to come back and there's no better feud and program they can do with a babyface Rollins against a heel Roman Reigns. Absolutely. Um, I have to agree in part. I think it does hurt other talent when your babyface star is being booed out of the damn building. I've said it time and time again. He needs a heel run, and we'll see whether or not he goes in that direction. Um, here's a question from our friend Andy Wales at Andy Armchair on Twitter. Andy says, does WrestleMania really need to be almost seven hours? Um, well, you know what, though? I mean, like like Mo said it earlier, like, uh, you know, about the crowd yeah. uh, in the building not losing any momentum. Uh, by the time we left, I, 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 I was still fine. And we were there for the whole thing. Yeah. And, and technically, I think WrestleMania, when you talk from a match perspective, was only uh, maybe six hours. Or a little under six hours, technically, because there was a two-hour pre-show, but there were only three matches on the second hour of the pre-show. So if you talk about the actual wrestling event of WrestleMania, it was just under six hours, which still is a long time for an event. Um, but you're talking to a guy who waited 12 hours to see Snoop Dogg one time. So uh, I, like, I got endurance <laughs> for these things. I do. And so uh, I, was it a little long? Perhaps if I was watching from home. From I can only speak to you from a live event perspective, and, and I wasn't tired at all. Uh, one one quick thing real quick, Mo, before I get your thoughts. I want to give Andy a shout-out as well. He has a new wrestling blog he's putting together. It's called humanoidsblog.wordpress.com. So check it out, humanoidsblog.wordpress.com. He's got some great writing, and uh, we're going to get Andy back on the show here in a few weeks. He's also uh, the host of the Reds Review, uh, which we were guests on back in October. So uh, thanks for the question, Andy, and uh, looking forward to seeing more blog posts from you. Uh, Mo, do you think uh, WrestleMania is too long? Seven hours is very long, um, but in saying that, I agree with Brad. It didn't seem like it was seven hours because the flow to the show was pretty good, and um, nothing really seemed to drag. Nothing seemed to go way too long, and so um, I, I certainly enjoyed it and uh, you know sat through it and uh, thought it was it was a good 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 event. Um, I think they can do with cutting it down, though. I mean, four hours 45 for the main card. They've never, ever gone that long. Um, it's normally been four hours at most. And for many WrestleManias, they stuck to three hours. And, you know, they had some classic shows that were only three hours. So that's the problem with trying to get everyone on the roster onto the show, is that you're having to put so many matches together. And, um, you know, WWE may need to think about how they do that. You know, I don't have a problem with it, really. Um, the Super Bowl coverage begins at about 11 o'clock a.m. here in the U.S., and the Super Bowl comes on around 6.30. So it's around seven or eight hours of full coverage as well. Uh, WrestleMania is the Super Bowl of wrestling. 
uh, it's it's clear, and they're going to do everything they can to capitalize on as much coverage and crossover exposure as possible. I have no issue with it, and I, I quite enjoyed it. So um, that's what I'll say about that. Our next question comes from a regular listener of the show and friend of the show, Ike at Illini Hockey 3 on Twitter. He says, the U.S. title has died around Kalisto's waist. That's his opinion. How does WWE um, – Resurrect the belt. You put it back on John Cena. Is that what you do? It's the only. Are you put it on a main event? I mean, it's the only way. Or you just, or you uh, unify it with the Intercontinental Title and just have the one secondary belt and have put a, a lot of focus and prominence on that. And I and I and I think I, I could agree with Mo on the fact. I think that a Miz could could add prestige back to it, even a dual championship. Someone at the caliber of the Miz's level or Sami Zayn or anyone like that. So I think that'd be my my goal. Mo, what are your thoughts um, on Kalisto being the U.S. champion? Uh, and does WWE need to go a different direction with the belt? I think they do. I mean, once again, and this is getting a bit dangerous, I have to agree with Brad. Um, wow. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it just You two seems... need to get a room. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, yeah, it, it just is overdoing it, you know, with too many titles, I think, in that what purpose does this belt serve? Every belt needs to serve a purpose, and I just don't see what it does. And uh, that's why I'd be really inclined to have that one single secondary title because I'm sure that uh, within the next 12 months we'll probably see a cruiserweight title introduced. And um, when that happens, it will further devalue uh, the U.S. belt. So, I mean, in theory, it's, it's a good idea to have Kalisto as a champion. But the fact that half the time when we see him on TV, um, he's focused on tag team action um, – it just tells me that it was the wrong thing to do to put him on, uh, put the title on him. And um, I would ultimately like to see that title go away and for there to be uh, just the Intercontinental title as a secondary belt like it used to be. Uh, so that, that's what I think about that. Well, I have to agree with you, Mo. I, I think either the U.S. title should be retired or it should be merged with the Intercontinental Championship. The Intercontinental Championship is the longest-standing secondary title in the WWE. I think it has something like a 40-year history. Um, when it comes to the U.S. Championship, it's not even an original WWE title. It has an, a tremendous lineage and history, but uh, right now it's it's serving no purpose on the show. It's doing nothing for Kalisto and Kalisto is doing nothing for that title. That title meant something when it was around the waist of John Cena, but it wasn't the title making the man. It was the man making the title. Okay, guys, here we go. This is the final question from our mailbag. We have a lot of other questions to get to, and I apologize because we don't have time, but thank you to everybody for your questions. We will try and address the ones we missed next week, but here it is. This question comes from the architect of the Anfield Index, Gags at Gags Tandon. And he says, the largest attendance at WrestleMania history. Did the fans deserve a better and tighter show? He says, I think so. So first, let's answer that question, and then let's discuss what the actual attendance figures are at WrestleMania. Mo, I will start with you. Largest attendance in history, according to Gags. Did the fans deserve better? Yes, they did. Yes. Um, I mean, I said it was a very good show. I gave it a 7 out of 10, and it was uh, one of the better WrestleManias. But given it was the largest attendance in the history of WrestleMania, albeit just slightly under 100,000, um, 
it was not the show it should have been. Now, you've got to give the WWE a bit of slack. They were really, really um, unfortunate with injuries over the last six months, the likes of John Cena, Seth Rollins, um, Sting, and one or two others would almost certainly have featured very prominently on the show had they not sustained injuries or other problems uh, which ruled them out of the show. So I think the card would look very different and certainly would have been even more epic um, had all those guys been available. Um, all of that said, um, some of the outcomes um, were just completely wrong as far as I'm concerned. And this should have been the show to really um, set the future and make stars out of the likes of AJ Styles and the WWE um, didn't take advantage of that. And that's uh, what slightly uh, took the shine off the show for me. Brad? Um, I gave it a nine and a half out of 10. So I won't say that they deserved a better show, maybe a 0.5% better. But I do I do agree with Mo when, when you know, it had been a different show had Seth and, and Cena and Cesaro and Sting and, uh, Nikki Bella and uh, you know whomever <laughs> I'm serious and, and who and whomever else you know uh, is injured who I can't think of right now Daniel Bryan Daniel yeah. Bryan had he been healthy you know we would have seen a whole different WrestleMania but uh, for what it for what happened I was thoroughly in, entertained and enjoyed and uh, there are 101,000 people losing their minds uh, yeah from a spectacle standpoint from a presentation standpoint um, it was, as I've already stated, one of the coolest moments of my life. So did the fans deserve better? The fans in attendance loved every minute of it until Roman Reigns showed up. And that's the part for me. Um, this show could have been close to a 10 if the Roman Reigns deal had been handled differently or if that matchup had gone on. Then we had the Battle Royal and then we had the cage match and the night ends with that spot of Shane McMahon and everybody remembering the last thing they remember going off the air is Shane leaping off the top of the cage. I think if you're going to run the ball with Roman the way they did, you don't put that match on last to end the show. I think you have to be more conscious of your fan base and WWE sometimes has a problem gauging what their fan base wants. Other times they just completely ignore what it is that they want. And other Roman. times they knock it out of the park. And other times they knock it out of the park and some of the stuff that they did at this WrestleMania Mania, they knocked it out of the park. There were some stuff that they missed on as well. So putting that show, that, that main event on the way they did and having that finish, yeah, the fans deserved better there. In terms of everything else that happened, I really can't complain at all. I thought it was fantastic. Um, so with that being said, the other thing that Gags mentioned was attendance. And this has been a big, contentious issue ever since WrestleMania came to its conclusion. Social media has been lighting up over this. The Wrestling Observer has been lighting up over this. And, um, and so now it's time to discuss this. So, Mo, I'm going to start with you. We've heard Brian Alvarez first claim that the attendance numbers were 85,000. Instead of retracting that statement, he pretended it never happened and then stated another number, which then changed to another number. Meanwhile, WWE has claimed that this attendance was over 101,000 the entire time. 763. Okay, that's the exact figure. So, Mo, I'm going to start with you on this. Where do you sit on the real attendance figures for WrestleMania? I would be inclined to agree with Brian. Um, okay, some of the numbers that have been put out there have been different over the last Now, which number? Weeks. Because he's put out several. Okay, um, I believe that the um, highest number that's been put out there uh, from the Observer Figure 4 side is uh, over 97,000. And I believe that that's uh, the legitimate number. Now, I, I should point out the seating capacity of that building 
um, according to the building itself, is 80,000, okay? Now, a few thousand of those seats would have been lost to the stage. Not actually all that many, because the stage was actually quite low compared to uh, WrestleMania stages of the path. Um, but a few thousand lost to that, that and other production um, requirements with um, other things like screens and production setup, etc. So that 80,000 might have been 75, 76. But then, as you would have seen when you walked around, um, there's quite a lot of um, standing areas where they had loose seating. Um, am I correct in that? I, I didn't see that. I, I didn't see. Uh, well, I, I saw that on the pre-show when there was uh, standing the building was standing. Yes. Standing, oh, oh, oh uh, I thought you meant by more. loose seating as if the seats were empty. Okay, so that's my bad. Go ahead. There's standing yeah. room. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So they had quite a lot of that seating out as well in the stands, and so that overall number in terms of the stands may have been um, maybe 85. And then if you look at the um, the floor seating, then you've got to say, okay, uh, a lot of the floor area was taken up by the stage, a huge amount of that area, perhaps about a third of it. So you've got two-thirds of that area left. And I'd say that maybe you could say another 12,000 were on the floor. So that's how I get up to 97. I can believe that. And as we know, the WWE has um, occasionally in the past – um, being a bit misleading about things. So, and the fact they've been misleading about attendances, and that's um, uh, that's a fact. That's not even conjecture. Um, it was certainly inclined me to believe that um, it wasn't 101,000. That said, where it was 97 or 101, it was still the WWE's biggest ever attendance, and that cannot be disputed. And all credit to the company that, despite not having um, the best lineup on paper for that show in its history, um, they still managed to attract such an incredible crowd. And I'm sure, in fact, that the UFC will try to run that building um, within the next year to 18 months. And when they do, I'd be surprised if they manage to sell that building out. I agree with the only the last part of what you said. Um, I, I was in the building. And apparently, apparently Brian Alvarez has you know different vision than I have, and so does Dave Meltzer. Now, Mo, you asked me earlier, did I have a counter counting everybody? No, I didn't. And so I don't know how the hell Brian Alvarez or Dave Meltzer can come up with any number. Now, you say the capacity is 80,000, but it's interesting. If you actually also look at their official website, they say it can be expanded to up to 105,000 if you include standing room only. Well, look, I don't think that that stage took up a whole football field. Maybe and maybe it did, but I don't I don't think it took up a whole football field when you, when you include how big an American football field is. And so uh, I think that there was well over the 97,000. I believe there was a hundred and one thousand seven hundred and sixty three. Now, there is a variety of reasons why I believe that number is valid and that, that Dave Meltzer is wrong, barring the fact that that. The Wrestling Observer Newsletter isn't the most accurate source to begin with. Um, but, I mean, I don't understand where they get these numbers. You know, they were reporting, well, at first, Brian Alvarez. Well, there's 85,000 people. Brian Alvarez, listen okay. up. Wait, wait, hold on, Mo. Listen up, Brian Alvarez, because your opinion doesn't matter because there's a big difference between 85 and 101. Something like 16,000. That's like the size. That's like missing on the full capacity of the American Airlines Arena. Where Monday Night Raw took place from last So night. when you miss on something like that, is it not your responsibility as a, quote, journalist to issue a retraction instead of pretending that you didn't say it? Because that's 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 not a, well, more details to come. That That creates a narrative that now other wrestling websites are linking to. 
which is damaging to the company. And the other issue, which I've brought up and Brad's brought up as well, is the fact that WWE is now a publicly traded company. When WrestleMania 3 took place and they supposedly exaggerated the figures, they were not a publicly traded company. They didn't have investors that they had to answer to if and when those investors found out they were lied to. Is that not an issue? And is that not a huge allegation to be made by the Wrestling Observer Newsletter that WWE is lying about attendance figures to their investors? And and to backdoor that, we had Bruce Pritchard on our show, uh, Your Opinion in a Matter. Everyone uh, who listens to this show, I'm sure, is a f- uh, familiar with Bruce Pritchard. And this is a man who has no reason to lie. And, and when we've talked to, to him about on the show about the attendance figures, he said, well, if we're lying about it, why are we paying taxes on 93000 and 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 guess what? Nine three thousand. It's not it's not it's not a sh- short change when you're paying taxes on that. And then when you talk about one hundred one thousand, look. The thing is, if they're lying about their figures to their investors, and that and then a true number comes out where it's significantly even by four thousand people less than what they claim, then you lose. Then, then your investors lose faith in the leadership and the executive board. Then when you're when when that rumor starts around Wall Street, your stock plummets. And when your stock plummets, <laughs> you're 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 effed. And I I don't know if you can curse on this show, but, I mean, you're screwed uh, as a publicly traded company. There are a variety of reasons WWE would not lie or exaggerate this number. I think this is, once again, uh, Mark knocking at the door saying, hey, guys, I know I know WWE says one thing, but we're going to go the other way because that's what we do. For some reason, we want to be on the opposite end of everything, and we don't want to believe anything that the WWE tells us. Well, guess what, people? Uh, there, I was there. I didn't have my counter on. Neither did Meltzer. But I, I could see more people than I've ever seen in my entire life. And I did not see one seat available in that place. So if it's true that it can be expanded to 105,000 people when there's standing room only for a football game, I sure as shit believe there was 101,000 in that building that night. If I can count. <laughs> Very well put. But if I can count. 85,000 came from the actual ticketing website in terms of the number of seats that were put on sale. So that's that was a very legitimate number um, because that was um, through the ticketing website where, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're able to actually see which seats you were booking and things like that. Um, so that, that was what was publicly put out for sale, and it's very easy to um, uh, reconcile that number back to the tickets that were put on sale. After the stage was then brought in, Further seats were, I believe, released in the last uh, week leading up to the show. But will that have released, um, you know, another 15,000 extra seats out of nowhere? No. Um, but the other thing to point out is is that 85,000 were the paid um, seats that were put on sale. There were also many thousands of seats that were comp seats uh, of tickets that were given to family members or sponsors or other people, um, you know, with competitions and things like that. And these kind of events always have a few thousand seats for that. So if you add paid seats to non-paid, and then you add in all the other people, because in the the way that WWE calculates its numbers, even people who are not actually seated in the arena, but people who work in the show, like security or people in the backstage, they actually count those people as part of the attendance as well. And so that's why I can believe it's 97, 101 possible. I mean, I, I don't know for certain, but I certainly wouldn't put it past the WWE to lie about this. I mean, WWE lies about stuff on a weekly basis. And, um, you know, I mean, 
I was watching Raw, like you guys were, and they said, we're the longest-running episodic show in TV history, which is complete bullshit, absolute bullshit. And WWE just he says this thing, and, you know, they lie about various other things, um, like the accomplishments or weights or sizes. Um, so, you know, that's, that's wrestling. That's the business. And, but um, that's wrestling, Mo, but that's not business, Mo. There's a, there's a distinct difference between wrestling and professional business and, and what WWE is. They are a publicly traded company. That is a big deal you're, when you're a corporation. It, it, it doesn't matter what your product you're selling, if you're Coca-Cola or if you're WWE. When you're running a legitimate business, you have to present legitimate figures. I mean that's at the end of the day. So I don't understand why there's even a controversy and why we expect that they're lying. Well, I think they can lie about they can lie about Andre the Giant's height all they damn well please, but they're not lying about these numbers. Well, I think one of the biggest issues here is 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 regarding wrestling journalism because wrestling journalism. What's that? Well, well, let me let me finish my point. Wrestling journalism has to evolve with the with the state of sports entertainment in that. Right now, wrestling journalism is where everything's made up and the points don't matter. And my, 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 and the point that I'm, the point that I'm trying to make here, to use a whose line is it anyway phrase, is that when WWE was lying about these things in the past, and there may have been incidences where they they exaggerated their numbers, they were not a publicly traded company. But as as someone who is portraying themselves as a journalist, and I'm not questioning. I'm not questioning Dave Meltzer's journalistic integrity because he's been in the business for 30 years. But what I am saying is that when you say that a publicly traded company says that their number is X and you're saying it's Y, then what you are basically doing is making an allegation that they are lying to their investors. And and my deal is, is that if that's the allegation that you're making, well, then I think it's time for both sides to come together and have a public discussion in a form about whether or not this is actually the truth. Or whether, or whether there is a someone dropped the ball here in reporting, because okay. that eighty-five thousand number that we're talking about, Mo. I know that you said where that number came from, but you have to remember that Brian Alvarez tweeted that out yesterday. That was long after that website had closed and those ticket sales were done online. So this was the first thing that everybody started reporting on was that WWE inflated their numbers by more than sixteen thousand. That number has now changed to them inflating their numbers by over 3,000. That's and, a big difference in narrative. And and when you're Brian Alvarez, you tweet out in as and you're and you have some journalistic integrity. And this is where I will call it into question. Before you can validate these claims of 101,000 people, the first thing you do when that number is announced on Twitter is you say the new fake number. You haven't even had a second to validate whether it's fake or not. You're assuming it was fake. And they know it. You know the phrase they say when you're assuming. You make an ass out of you. I'm leaving me out of it because I agree with the WWE on this one. So I just I just think it's flabbergasting. And I've said I said it on online today that a lot of the times these wrestling websites, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. I said a blind cat with its paw super glued into a fist could type more accurate information than these people can. It's ridiculous. Um, so I, I think 101,000, 100 percent legitimate. OK, Mo, final thoughts. I'll give you the final word on this. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, all I'll say is, is WWE has been a traded, publicly traded company for many years now. What, 16. 10 years, 12 years? 16, 16 oh, years. Maybe 16. I think it was 2000. I'm not sure. Okay, if you go and check every single year without fail, The Observer or Figure 4 Online, Dave or Brian, has gone out and said, 
and put it on record, WWE has put out an incorrect attendance figure. Every so wait, year. This just, is not just, a new thing. I want to stop you, actually. Where the hell do they get the numbers? They get it leaked from the company, from they, within so, the company. Oh, so, so people within the own company want to make the company look bad, and they want to leak information so they can it's potentially a, get no, no. fired and lose their jobs. That makes a lot of damn sense to me. All right, go, let, let Mo have the final word. Go ahead, Mo. It's not about um, – trying to make the company look bad it's just about people being honest about um what what's happening and uh, it, it shouldn't be a big deal and if it was a big deal wwe would have sued uh, dave and or brian many years ago if they were putting out blatantly false information that was affecting their credibility with with the stock market that that would have been happening long long time ago and Brian and Dave would have been forced to, you know, report the legitimate numbers. But the fact is, every single year, without fail, WWE will announce at WrestleMania, we drew 75,360. And then in the following week's Observer, they'll say, actually, the attendance was 62,300 and something. That's great. Like, good for the Observer for continuing every year a tradition of making up a number. Well, here's, here's what I know. Here's what, <laughs> here's what I know. Uh, final thing on this is that that was the number that WWE reported on Sunday night. The Rock delivered that information. There was an investor call on the 4th, and they confirmed these attendance figures. So I, that, that, that's, this, that's WWE's position. That's the Observer's position. And we'll leave it up to everyone's interpretation to figure out for themselves who's telling the truth or who, who may be more accurate on uh, on what the actual attendance figures are for WrestleMania. Well, and, and let me say let me say one more thing though is that if the if the uh, the number of ninety seven thousand is the tr real number as as the Observer is now reporting it is, then WWE's original number that they put out their original announced number from the get go was more accurate than the Wrestling Observer newsletter from the start. No. Possibly, yeah. One, no, 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 I just possibly. One, Factually. <laughs> one very final comment, though, if I can. Yes, of course. Um, if you go on the WWE's corporate website, they also talk about how many people watch WWE around the world on a weekly basis. And if you're telling me that the number that they um, proclaim as being their viewership worldwide on a weekly basis is true, then – you must be the most naive person in the world because their, their, their numbers are absolutely, absolutely um, embellished to the hilt. And uh, I think they put out number of, I don't know if it's 300 million or 400 million or 500 million, but whatever it is, it's way above what the real figure almost certainly is. Um, so it's not unlike the WWE to put out information that isn't necessarily a lie, but they're just very... Um, uh, manipulative in how they uh, interpret the numbers and put it across uh, to make themselves look good. Well, to put a bow on this, as Eric Bischoff once told us, liars use numbers and numbers lie. And it's up to the interpretation of the listeners to figure out who is doing what in this particular situation. But uh, a fantastic and lively discussion, guys. Uh, this will definitely have to be a two-part podcast. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but with that being said, you know, we have reached our conclusion, and it is time to get to our parting shots, to our shameless plugs. So, Brad, I will start with you. Thank you for being a guest on the show once again. 
You've got a lot going on. What do you want to tell the listeners about? Yeah, five days a week. Check out the European It Doesn't Matter podcast at opinionpodcast.com. Uh, you can check out me and Booker T on Sports Radio 610 or on the Play It platform, also available on iTunes with heated conversations. We had Wale on uh, last weekend and Booker T called me WrestleMania weekend right before the Hall of Fame and told me who one of our upcoming guests will be who will be in the studio with us face-to-face. So stay tuned to my Twitter for that. It's going to be a hell of a time if you smell what I'm cooking. And I'm just going to let you all figure out maybe who it might be. I don't know. But anyway, that might have been misleading. I don't want to sound like the Wrestling Observer here. Um, (laughs) But uh, follow me on Twitter at Brad Gilmore. All right. Well, thanks, bro, for coming in once again. Uh, Mo. Great conversation. We covered a lot, my friend. What do you have coming up? Uh, Any wrestling in the U.K. to look forward to and anything else you'd like to plug or mention to the listeners? Um, Not necessarily anything that I'm attending imminently, but uh, I did catch up on a couple of the shows um, over the WrestleMania weekend. As you know, WWE puts on the biggest show in WrestleMania and obviously the second biggest in NXT TakeOver, but there are plenty more shows that were taking place in the Dallas area in between, and I caught a couple of the other shows uh, from WWN and Evolve, and I've got to say that the star of the show, once again, is a guy that I put over on this podcast with um, great frequency, one Will Ospreay, who had fantastic, unbelievable matches with likes of Zack Sabre Jr., and um, Ricochet, and also uh, the villain Marty Skrull. And uh, Will Ospreay is possibly the hottest worker in the business, bar none, at this moment in time. And that's a massive statement, but I really believe that's the case, because nobody in the business, not Tanahashi, not um, AJ Styles, nobody is working the kind of matches this guy is. And if you don't know who he is, uh, I urge you to find him and track him down because he is something special. And it's not a question of if, it's a question of when he will eventually uh, be signed to the WWE. He's only 22 years of age. He's only about three years into the business, but he's a freak of nature. He is just an incredible worker. And there was so much buzz um, at the non-WWE shows for him, and he really, really put on a show in several matches over the last few days. Awesome, man. That, that is really exciting. We'll definitely have to check that out. And um, uh, I just want to close by, once again, uh, we did this on our podcast yesterday, uh, Brad and I, but um, I just want to close by thanking everybody in Dallas again for making our weekend at WrestleMania so very, very special, and a certain individual uh, in particular who works with WWE who um, who made it just unbelievable for us. So uh, thank you to him, and thank you to all the fine people in Dallas. It was something that we will never forget. Um, I also want to thank some of the other fantastic listeners of this podcast for their questions that we could not get to on this extended edition of the show. Probably will end up being a two-parter before it's all said and done. I just want to shout a few of them out very quick. At uh, Shane2901 on Twitter. Shane is a regular listener of the show. Barry underscore LFC85 on Twitter. Um, another fan of the show, Munther Buhindi uh, on Twitter as well for his excellent questions and comments. We will try and get to them next week. And in addition to that, next week we have to find time, Mo, to talk about NXT TakeOver Dallas because Nakamura and Sami Zayn was something very, very special, and we got to cover it next week. Indeed. Absolutely. So with that being said, another great edition of PWI comes to its conclusion. Thanks, as always, to Gags for the platform, and we will be back next week with more PWI.
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.